Hello and welcome to Cubs PS Plus, a Northside Numbers game, a weekly podcast that dives headfirst into the analysis of hot topics driving Chicago Cubs baseball. I'm your host, Mike Waller, a lifelong Cub fan, full-time baseball stat nerd, and sometime youth baseball coach. Thanks for being here today. I know you have a lot of choice, especially right now. You can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all at Cubs PS Plus, a spin on the baseball metric OPS Plus. If you can, please take 10 seconds and drop a rating or a review wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you've done that, thank you so much. Maybe you can share an episode with a friend. Just a few seconds on your end can help me get better and help other Cub fans find the show. A quick reminder before we get started, on April 1st, I will launch a Patreon subscription program. Patreon members will get some added perks like discounts on podcast merch, a Discord discussion group, bonus episodes, and the ability to submit questions to future interview guests. More to come on this, but for now, I'd love to know what you want to know about Cubs baseball. Welcome into episode 29. We're in kind of an amazing sports oasis right now. The Cubs continue to play actually pretty solid baseball and win entirely too many spring training games. The NCAA basketball tournaments are firing up, and the World Baseball Classic has been really entertaining. If you haven't heard my interview with Infield Fly Girl about international baseball, go back and check it out. One of the things she stressed was how much fun the international game is. And we've seen that in spades over the last week. Mascots, cheerleaders, noisemakers in the crowd. The atmosphere at many of the games has been electric. The baseball has been a bit of a mixed bag, but there have been some great games, and I think we're going to see a lot more great games as we head into the elimination rounds. I did hate seeing Edwin Diaz go down last night. Hopefully his injury is not as bad as it appeared to be, but as of recording time, I've not seen any updates on his condition. But back to the Cubs, we're a little over halfway through spring training, so this seems like a really good time to look at the Cubs' position battles and see which spots are really still open and who's realistically in play for a roster spot. Who will be that fifth starter? How will the Cubs fill third base? Who will fill in for Seiya Suzuki to start the season? Let's jump in and talk it through. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here. We. Go. This is a great time for baseball. I mean, I'm I'm always a big baseball junkie in the spring you know we're cooped up inside when it's cold in the winter time um finally get sunshine green grass the ability to go out and play as as a kid i I couldn't wait to get out and hit the ball for the first time um and now with spring training going marquee is televising more games in the spring than they we've ever been able to see before Uh, the world baseball classic is going if you just love baseball there's plenty of baseball to be found college baseball is going there's a lot of big talent in college baseball that you can watch on any you know ESPN plus carries a ton of games big 10 network ACC network there's tons of places to see baseball and if you just like seeing baseball in person you don't even need a big budget high schools are depending on where you live a lot of high school programs are starting up um, here in Charlotte North Carolina our high schools have played their first games over the last week or so um, youth leagues are getting started up I know a friend of mine in Texas um, you know I've seen pictures of his kids playing baseball already so baseball's out there go check it out Baseball at every level is its own thing. You know, you watch Major League Baseball, you expect to see the best of the best. You want to see just the world's best athletes going at it, 100 mile an hour pitching, hitting for power, great speed. But you can have just as much fun watching a little league game or even a local rec league. Like, appreciate the game for what it is and for who's playing it. You know, when you watch kids, oftentimes they're, you know, playing for the love of the game. You might see, I don't know, some mediocre little ground ball between short and third and the kid beats it out maybe because the fielder fell down and he's just celebrating like mad over there because maybe it's his first hit like baseball is great go enjoy it um and we've had a lot of exposure to it and one of the cool things is it kind of helps get us going get us in that mindset of of baseball and when i think about baseball obviously we're thinking about the cubs and what they're going to do this year um the world baseball classic has been a nice teaser you know spring training it's it's nice to see like I said in my last episode, you know, I, I took my boy, two of my boys down to spring training for the first time this year. Um, we had a blast. But, you know, spring training baseball is not intense. There's no, the games don't mean anything. Um, the World Baseball Classic has a little bit more on the line, so it's been kind of cool to see, um, you know, a little bit of heightened competition. I think now that we're into the elimination rounds, we're out of pool play. Um, you're gonna see people get into it, and you know. In my open, I alluded to my interview with Infield Fly Girl in my last episode. You know, she was constantly stressing that baseball is fun. And when you watch these World Baseball Classic games, 
especially, you know, the crowds in Miami, the crowds in Taiwan, the crowds in uh, Tokyo. Um, they've just been off the charts. I mean, the, the fans are crazy into it. You know, you've got mascots and cheerleaders on top of the dugouts and just the crowds are electric. Um, frankly, Arizona could pay a little attention that those crowds, you know, last night, for example, I was flipping back and forth. I was watching uh, Puerto Rico against the Dominican Republic. And then all of a sudden they just, Fox Sports 1 just cut that game to the U.S. game. And, you know, it, it's late in the game. It's It was a 5-2 game, so it wasn't super close. But it was still, you know, within range. Uh, Edwin Diaz came in and got the save uh, before he got hurt. But um, just the difference in that crowd. Like, it's so electric, so energized, so up in that um, Puerto Rico-Dominican Republic game in Miami. Flipped to Arizona, and it's like, eh, all right, we're kind of watching some baseball here. It's almost like watching spring training. So... Watch the other locations, but I mean, it's been, it's been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, and some of the guys that the Cubs put into the world baseball classic have been guys who we're going to talk about in this episode as fighting for roster spots. And so it's interesting to see different people's approach to how they do, you know, some guys want to play Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Saya before he got hurt. Like those guys want to go play for their countries. Um, some other younger players have had the opportunity to go play, you know, for other countries. So Matt Mervis was able to go play for team Israel. Owen Casey, who came over from the Padres in the U Darvish trade is one of the up and coming young outfield prospects. He was able to play for team Canada cause he's Canadian. Excuse me. Jared young, who came up and got a cup of coffee with the Cubs at first base at the end of last season. Um, he got to play first base and DH for team Canada had a nice series. Um, so it's, it's cool to see, you know, it, Javier Assad is absolutely fighting for that fifth rotation spot in Chicago. He pitched really well last year at the end of the season and is one of probably three primary guys contending for that role. Um, I don't know what goes through the, the players' heads. I, obviously, they want to go play for their country. I think Assad was thrilled to go play for Team Mexico. Um, but, you know, I don't know. There's got to be some trepidation about leaving camp and going to do something else. Um but honestly, I don't think there's anything Javier Assad could have done in spring training with the Cubs that was any more impressive than the way he just cut down basically an all-star team against the U.S. the other day. I mean, three innings against that lineup, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, J.T. Realmuto, Kyle Schwarber, just like on and on and on, the bats in that lineup. He got through three innings, couple Ks, only gave up one single to Mike Trout. That's really, really impressive. Um, so he's a guy who probably you know left Cubs camp and helped his stock. Um, we've had Miles Mastroboni doing some good things with Team Israel, or Team Italy. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but so we come back to filling out this roster. Now the Cubs have a lot of locks on this roster, as any decent major league team will. Um, and that comes into you know some of the factors that go into this are your your age and your role in the team. You know, the guys who are the leaders on the team, the stars on the team: Ian Happ, Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner. Cody Bellinger, you know, th those guys aren't going anywhere. Guys, the Cubs just brought in on free agency on pretty big contracts. They're going to make the roster. I mean, assuming no trades and assuming no other major injuries, knock on wood. Um, yeah, those guys are going to be on the team. So we're really talking about three or four spots. So when I, when I look at the Cubs position player lineup, Jan Gomes and Tucker Barnhart are locked in at catcher. Eric Hosmer is probably the diciest of the people I'll call locks, but I think with the contract they brought him in on – the way they brought him in, you know, the Padres are paying him a ton of money and the Cubs are only on the hook for league minimum salary. So if he doesn't perform, he's an easy guy to cut and walk away from. But I, I assume he'll be on the opening day roster. So you'll have Hosmer at first base. Um, Trey Mancini came in. He's, he'll be playing first base, DHing, possibly playing some right field for Saya. Patrick Wisdom is going to make this team. He'll be playing some combo of third, first, and right field. Nico Horner's locked in at second. Dansby Swanson's locked in at short. Ian Happ and Cody Bellinger are locked into two outfield positions. So there are really only about four options right now. I mean, I think um, you know, they're, they're going to be 13 position players, 13 pitchers. You can only carry 13 pitchers, and I assume the Cubs will max that out. Um, so the only real questions are Right field and third base. Right field only temporarily while Seiya Suzuki is out. 
Um, once you identify those, then you can figure out um, who fills out the rest of the roster. But I think the Cubs are going to have really, you know, four spots really to to figure out this before opening day. And that's that's assuming that Seiya Suzuki starts on the injured list. If he's if he's healthy, it's three. But I think that's a pretty easy flip if if he were to be healthy. Um, on the pitching side, we'll get to that in in a few minutes. It's the fifth start in the fifth starter spot in the rotation. Um, that would have been Kyle Hendricks if he was healthy and ready to go. He's not going to be to start the season, so that somebody is going to step up and need to battle for that fifth starter position. Now, some of the guys who are in play, um, I really think the three key guys are Adrian Sampson, Javier Assad, and uh, Hayden Wisniewski. Uh, but you could consider Caleb Killian in there, potentially Ruinus Elias. Um, who's a non-roster invitee um, comes in. He's been pitching for the, he's pitched a little bit for the Cuban team in the world baseball classic, but it's probably going to be those first three, Samson, Assad, and Wisniewski. And we'll break that down in a minute. Um, then once you identify that, then you fill out the bullpen spots. And again, probably looking at about three bullpen spots that are truly open. Um, so the other factors that matter are whether you're already on the 40 man roster and whether you have minor league options remaining. If you don't have minor league options remaining, it means that basically you either have to start in Chicago or you're going to get put through waivers. Um, and if you're not claimed, then you could get potentially assigned to the minor leagues in the Cubs system. So guys who are kind of notable here who don't have options are Zach McKinstry, who is on the 40-man roster. Um, there's Mike Talkman. Um, he's an outfielder. He's played some with the Yankees the last couple of years. Um, he's a local Chicago kid. Went to high school in Chicago played college ball at Bradley. He is not on the 40-man roster, so coming out of camp, he could be assigned to Iowa. But if and when he ever comes up to the big leagues, he has no options left. So he will have to be a, you know, he'll have to stick, or if they want to do anything with him later, they would have to send him back down, um, send him back through waivers in order to send him down. Um, on the pitching side, we've got Julian Merriweather, who, who the Cubs brought over from um, from Toronto. He is on the active 40-man roster, but he does not have options left. Um, Ryanus Elias, who I just mentioned, he does not have options, but he is also a non-roster invitee. The Cubs signed him to a minor league contract. So the Cubs would have the ability to assign him to Iowa. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. There's also Ryan Barucki. He's a left-hander. Um, he has no options left. He's also a minor league contract guy on a non-roster invitation. And then Mark Leiter Jr., who the Cubs uh, worked off the 40-man roster last fall, um, the Cubs could assign him to AAA. But any of those guys, if they do, if and when they do come up to the big leagues, um, would be stuck. They would, um, well, not stuck, but they would have to be, stay in the major leagues or go through waivers in order to get put somewhere else. So we'll we'll get into those position battles and, and break that down later. But um, to get started here, let's let's dive into third base. So third base is an interesting one to me. Um, the Cubs have a number of guys who can play third base. So the Cubs like versatility. The Cubs have always favored ever since, you know, the last regime with Theo and, and Joe Madden, they really prioritize guys who can play multiple positions, which is, um, it can be a bit disruptive, I guess, at times in the sense that like Ian Happ really seemed to take off when he just went out to go play left field, but other guys have thrived in it. You know, um, you know, Javi until he, took over shortstop, you know, he bounced around, he played some third base, he played some second base, he'd fill in at shortstop, played outfield a couple times. Um, ben Zobris thrived in that role. Christopher Morrell played that role last year. Um, so the Cubs like guys that can move around, and it does help cover injuries, and it helps helps with the mindset the Cubs have of trying to give guys a lot of time off. Um, it's easy enough to mix, mix and match, and you can basically have – Instead of having your eight regular position players that play basically every day, you can effectively have 10, and most of them are playing five times a week. Um, so that's something they like to see, um, which is good. But, and so the Cubs have, you know, sort of the guys in, in play for those last positions. There are several who can play multiple places. You know, Zach McKinstry can play all over the infield, and he's played some outfield uh, in the Dodgers organization in the past. Um Nick Madrigal is not a guy I would have put in this category last year. He came over from the White Sox in the Craig Kimbrell trade and really came over as a guy, high contact, low power, 
good bat, um, pretty mediocre defensive reputation. Um, what I saw last year was pretty solid. I thought he played fine at second base. And then heard that the Cubs were working him at third base in the offseason. And I don't know. I cringed a little bit at that. But, you know, I, I've seen him play some spring training games, and he's not going to win any Gold Glove awards. He does not have the best arm in the league. But, I mean, there was speculation. Was he going to be bouncing throws over? I mean, that's that's not true. I mean, you've got high school third basemen, you know, who are not great high school players who could make that throw from third base. So Nick Madrigal was going to be able to make the throw, but, you know, he, he's not going to win a gold glove over there, but he's shown he can play some competent third base and, and make the routine plays, which is probably, honestly, if he's going to play some third base, that's probably all they're going to ask of him. He's not going to be... He's not a third baseman long-term. He's not somebody who's going to make the rest of his career as a third baseman. But he has shown he can play over there a little bit, which can, in the versatility mindset, you know, can get him into that mix. Miles Mastroboni, I think, has been pretty impressive. He's a guy I would I would really like to see the Cubs break camp with. Um, he does have options, as, the, as does Madrigal. Um, so they could start the season in Iowa, get called up, and be fine. The Mastroboni can play second he can play short he can play third he can play the outfield um he's hitting pretty well he's had a, he had a, was off to a pretty good start in the spring um and then went to go play for italy in the world baseball classic and he's been pretty solid there what stood out to me when i've seen him play is his speed he is really fast and he's good defensively um so i think he's a guy who could really contend for probably not starting at third base every day but certainly a guy who can you know fill in that spot and he so let's talk about McKinstry and Mastroboni, and then we'll get into uh, we'll get into Edwin Rios here a little bit next. But so when you look at McKinstry, he's a guy the Cubs traded Chris Martin for from the Dodgers last year, and McKinstry is a guy who's always hit pretty well in the minor leagues. I mean, in in A ball in 2017, he put up a 182 WRC plus in AAA in 2019, 177 WRC plus. Had a little bit of power, more more like gap doubles power. Um, decent speed. He's not as fast as Mastroboni, but um, solid. And then in 2020, 2021, 2022, he got cups of coffee in the major leagues and um, really didn't fare well. I mean, in, as a rookie in 2020, he put up a 89 WRC+, plus, a 76 in 2021, and then combined LA and Chicago last year was 79. So he's been a below average hitter. And the, the question with McKinstry is, is he a 4A player, you know, a guy who thrives in the minor leagues but can't quite make the jump to the bigs, or is he a guy that just didn't get enough chances in L.A.? I mean, the, that L.A. lineup was loaded, so it's not like he ever really had a chance to come up and stick. You know, he's behind, been behind Trey Turner and Justin Turner and Gavin Lux and, you know, all these guys. So um, the Cubs gave him a pretty long audition last year. Frankly, he was pretty unimpressive. Um, this spring, he's not been great either. I mean, he's you know he's hitting under under a hundred in spring training so far this year. Um, he's a guy. If I were in charge, I would probably cut him. Um, I would just move on. Um, the challenge is he doesn't have options, and the Cubs. I'm hoping they'll change in the last minute, but right now, from what I see in here, they seem fairly locked into trying to keep him around. So, if he takes up one of that one of those spots that probably means that at least one of Madrigal and Mastroboni are going to go down. Um, you know, Mastroboni is kind of similar to McKinstry in the, in the sense that coming over from Tampa and the Tampa org, you know, he hit really well in the minors. He hasn't had as much of a major league shot as uh, McKinstry. He only got, he played in eight games at the end of last, he played in eight games last season, 17 at bats, the 27 WRC plus, but it's a 17 at bat sample size. I'm not going to put much stock in it. In um, AAA last year, he put up a 126 WRC plus, uh, 115 in 2021. You know, in, in 2019, he put up a 121. He's been pretty consistently, you know, 120 plus WRC plus of the minors. So that combined with his defense makes it seem like he's a guy, you know, that can come over and play. He doesn't have a ton of home runs, but last year, last year he actually spiked some power. So um, – he first joined the Rays in 2016 in low A. Um, you know, in his first couple of years in the minors, he hit about eight home runs total. <coughs> Excuse me. He hit another five in 2021. Uh, last year he hit 16. So I don't know. I haven't dug into those numbers. I don't know if there's a park factor in there um, or if he had worked to add power to his game. But that was that was pretty impressive. Um, 
you know, his, his isolated power, his ISO jumped, you know, he's pretty consistently been 0 0.07, 0 0.08, um, and then jumped up to, you know, 0.17 last year. So it doesn't make him a power hitter, but if he can bring that pop, that's something that's going to be very helpful. Um, so the next guy on the list is Edwin Rios. He's another guy who, uh, you know, came over from the, the Cubs signed him from the Dodgers, um, full major league free agent deal is cheap is only about a, about a million bucks, um, for one year. Um, but he comes over and he's a guy who's hit for a lot of power in the Dodgers system. Um, some high K rates, which, you know, the Cubs have had some success in, in dealing with helping guys get through high K rates. But when you look at him in the minor leagues, um, you know, a lot of big numbers. I mean, in, uh, 2018 in a ball, a 131 WRC plus, um, when then he moved up to high a and, and, and a little bit smaller sample size, but still 188 plate appearances, you know, put up a 189 WRC plus, uh, 2019, he had a 160, 2020, um, uh, 160. That was actually the majors in the end of 2019. And then he, he's been up with the Dodgers off and on over the past couple of seasons. And he's, he's hit for good power. Um, his, well, there was one small sample size, 25 games, 60 at bats in 2021, where he put up a WRC plus of 11, but otherwise it's 120 with the Dodgers last year, um, 143 in 2020. So he's a guy with some pop who can hit, but his strikeout rates are high. Um, his K rate, you know, in 2019 was 37 and a half. Last year it was 39. Um, so he's got to cut that down, but he bats lefty. So that's in his favor. Um, the Cubs like versatility and they do have some handedness needs. They need lefty bats and they need lefty arms. Now, to some extent, they also have some guys who hit and pitch to reverse splits. Christopher Morell was one of those guys last year. He hit righties significantly better than he hit lefties. Um, so that means would, if that holds and wasn't flukish, then that's something that, uh, you know, you could potentially put him, pair him up with someone like Patrick Wisdom who crushes lefties but doesn't hit righties and sort of work at even a right, right platoon because of the the difference in those uh in those splits um christopher morell is another one who can play third base he can play pretty much everywhere on the field um i think it's cubs have really dropped some strong hints that morell and, and nelson velasquez are going to start the season in triple a i think it makes a lot of sense actually i mean morell came up made a huge splash i don't think there was ever any intention that christopher morell was going to come up last year and stick for the rest of the year but he really just forced his way out there. I mean, he came up, was electric, homer in his first at bat, hugging everybody on site. Um, it was so much fun to watch. And, you know, he got on base his first 22 games. And the team was bad, so, like, how could you send him down? And same with Velasquez. Velasquez came up last season and just stuck. He probably should have been in AAA getting regular bats. Um, but the Cubs didn't have depth on the Major League roster, and so he had to play in Chicago. And he, he struggled, but he's... He's still only 23, 24 years old. So I think both of the, getting both of those guys at bats in the minors is probably a good idea. Um, we'll see how the things go. But So when you look at third base, the options really are McKinstry, Madrigal, Mastroboni, Wisdom, Rios, Morrell. And so you have to kind of play in then, like, so what's going to happen with right field? Now, when Say is back, that's Say Suzuki's position. Um, I think he's poised, if he can be healthy, to have a big year, provide a lot of pop. Um, take that next step, and I think he can be an all-star level right fielder. Um, but for now, they have to fill that spot. So getting back to the versatility question, the Cubs have a lot of guys currently on the roster who could play right field. Um, Trey Mancini can play first base or outfield. Um, Patrick Wisdom can play third base, first base, right field. If Christopher Morrell is on the major league roster, he can play all over the field. Um Zach McKinstry and Miles Mastroboni have both played some outfield in the minors uh, with Tampa and L.A. So the Cubs have a lot of options. What I think there's also um, a non-roster invitee, Mike Talkman, came over from the Yankees. Cubs signed him to a minor league deal, invited him to camp. He's kind of killing it at camp. I mean, he is um, – he's got a OPS of – had it here. Bear with me one second. Um, 989. He's got a home run, a couple doubles, 318 batting average. You know, he's got 
almost as many walks as K's. He's only struck out six times in 12 games. Um, he's a guy who's, who's fighting hard. Now, what what's working against Talkman is the fact that he's not on the 40-man roster. And so there's another guy who's pushing for that too. And again, he can be a candidate at third base some too, David Bodie. Um, <clears throat> when David Bodie first came up and was making his big splash, what he was known for was a guy who could work a count, good eye, take a walk, and hit the ball hard. Um, we haven't seen that as much the last year or so. Last year he had dealt with a lot of injuries. Actually looked pretty decent towards the end of the year, but it, I think I actually thought the Cubs were going to move on from him, but they did. They moved him off the 40-man but kept him in the system. Um, he's having a great spring. I mean, he's got a 1.318 um, OPS. He's hitting 429. He's got a homer, a triple, a couple doubles. Um, he's really maximizing his opportunity here. So both Bodie and Talkman are really pushing their way to try to get on the roster. The, the trick is who are the Cubs going to want to cut to make way? I mean, when you look at the position players on the 40 man roster, you know, the Cubs aren't going to, you know, send Miguel Amaya through waivers. I think if they were going to do that, they would have done it in the off season. Um, we've established, I think Hosmer is going to stick at least to start the season. Um, even if Madrigal or Mastroboni go down, I don't think there's any scenario where the Cubs cut either of those guys. Maybe you create an open spot if, if the Cubs make a trade. Um, I think signing Edwin Rios to a major league deal means he's at least going to get a chance from the beginning. Um, and you look at the outfield, I mean, Kevin Alcantara, Alexander Canario, Brennan Davis, Nelson Velazquez, Christopher Morrell. You're not moving those guys off the 40-man roster. Um, so really the only position player I think is that's in danger of being cut right now would be Zach McKinstry. Now, they might be able to play with a roster spot if um, – if Kyle Hendricks looks like he's maybe late May, early June, they might be able to start him on the 60-day injured list, which would free up a roster spot. But I think it's going to be very, very hard for both Talkman and Bodie to make the roster. Um, so right now I would lean towards Talkman. Um, Bodie does still have an option here left, actually. So um, if they do add him at some point, he could go up and up and down between the majors and Iowa. But it, again, with Talkman, he has no options left. Um, so if they add him to the major league roster, then he has to stay or go through waivers in order to move off. Um, my guess on the position player side is I think they're going to fill right field with a lot of Trey Mancini, maybe some Patrick Wisdom, um, maybe bounce someone else out there from time to time. And then I think third base is largely going to be Wisdom and Edwin Rios. So what I think is going to happen is I do think they're going to keep McKinstry around, um, and I think they'll keep Madrigal. And I think they'll I think they'll find a way to get Talkman on this roster. So I think of those last four spots, I think you're looking at Edwin Rios to play some third base, Zach McKinstry to be a utility player, Nick Madrigal to be a utility player, and Mike Talkman to be that start in right field, and maybe stick as that fourth outfielder after. Um if it was my choice, I would replace McKinstry with Master Boney. Um but I think given the options, I think they're I th- the Cubs just seem hell-bent on giving McKinstry as much leash as possible. So I think they'll start the season, but I'm hoping that they'll show what they've shown in the past, the ability to move on from a guy in season. So if McKinstry doesn't turn it around, I think they've got better options in potentially Morrell if he gets his back going and certainly Miles Mastroboni. Um, so when we look at the pitching side, the big pitching question everybody's talking about is the fifth fifth starter. So coming into the season, I think we were all fairly optimistic that Kyle Hendricks was going to be able to go. Um, and if he was able to go, then regardless of how you slot them, so don't worry too much about the order I put them in, you would have Stroman, you would have Hendricks, you'd have Justin Steele, they signed Jamison Tyone, and they signed Drew Smiley. And that would be your five. Last year, Adrian Sampson pitched really, really well in the second half. Javier Assad came up late in the season and pitched really, really well for about a month. Hayden Wesneski came up after the trade, so they brought him over from the Yankees for Scott Frost last year. Um, he was pretty dominant in AAA, came up towards the end of the season, got a couple starts and a couple relief outings. Um, he was electric. He was fantastic. So I really think while there are some other players who could theoretically be in that mix, Caleb Killian has pitched well this offseason. There have been some non-roster MITs that have pitched well. Um, 
I think it's really come down to Samson, Assad, and Wisniewski. Now, heading into spring training, I would I would have told you, and I may have even said on this podcast, I, th- I thought Samson had the leg up. I thought the he's a little bit older, more mature, um, with the run he had the second half last year. I thought it was probably his job to lose, um, but that you know, it certainly wasn't locked in, and that Assad and Wesneski and potentially Killian um, could push hard for that spot. Well, we've kind of seen the perfect storm. I mean, Samson's been awful. He's given up eight homers in just over eight innings. He's got an ERA of like 13. Has not looked good. He's not. He's a guy who he relies on hitting his location, commanding his pitches. He. I'm not going to say he has bad stuff. He's. He's. And he doesn't. He's not as much of a soft tosser as like Kyle Hendricks. But if Adrian Sampson's not hitting his spots, he's going to get crushed, like we're seeing in the spring. Um, so we've seen the perfect storm of Sampson basically pitching his way out of that spot. And then Assad has looked very good, and frankly, Hayden Wisniewski has looked tremendous. I mean, Wisniewski, so far this, you know, he's, he's had two starts, pitched in three games. He's, you know, hasn't given up a run in eight eight and two-thirds innings, only giving up five hits, two walks, 11 strikeouts. I mean, I don't know how you can take a guy who's a top prospect like that who pitched well at the end of last season and is doing that and not have him be in the rotation. Um, and then when you look at Assad, he had pitched a little bit um, and pitched pretty well before he went. He got in a couple games, um, four innings, no runs, no hits, one walk, two Ks. That's kind of Assad's game. Like he is not a guy who's going to blow you away. Um, he's not a bright, shiny object in the Cubs system, but he's a guy who's pretty consistently gotten guys out in the minor leagues, and you know that definitely has value. Um, when you look at, you know, look at his minor league numbers, he has kind of consistently grown. He, he came in in 2016 through 37 innings and then 66 innings and then 106 and 118. And last year, um, across all the levels, you know, he threw 71 innings. So he's getting stretched out. He's probably, he might not be a guy you can count on to make 30 starts and, you know, throw 150 innings quite yet. Um, But his performance has been there. I mean, he's, you know, only one season has he had an ERA above four and a half. I know ERA is not the perfect measure of things, but, um, you know, he was pitching well. He had a, um, after the lost 2020 season, he came back in 2021. His first stint in double A and posted a 5.32 ERA and 20, 20 starts, 21 appearances. But then he came right back in 2022 and, you know, he was really sharp in double A, got the promotion to triple A and was basically just as good there and got promoted to Chicago and was basically just as good there. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't walk a lot of guys. He doesn't – not a huge strikeout guy, but he'll, he'll be in that seven to nine strikeouts per nine innings sort of role. Um, but when you look at what he's done, I mean, that, again, it, it, it's one game, but the ability for Javier Assad to go out there against the U.S. World Baseball Classic team with that lineup and just shut them down in a game where Team USA was trailing. This isn't something where you know USA was ahead and – Nobody cares, and Assad came in and mopped up at the end. No, it was a Mexico was putting it on the U.S. and you know those guys were taking those at bats seriously and trying to come through. So you know he throws a lot of strikes. He's very consistent. So I think he's somebody who should be a player. Um, but I think at this point, I have to think, I have to think uh, Samson's pitch his way out. I think he'll start the season in Iowa. Um, the other question with these guys is, for all three of them, when they don't make the if they're not going to be that fifth starter. What's their role? And I think the Cubs saw last year they had to use, you know, you want to go into every season with the ability to start eight, nine, ten guys because even if it's just a spot start here and there, guys are going to miss starts. Inevitably, you're going to lose somebody for a few weeks on the injured list. Um, Somebody's not going to perform. I mean, you want to have that depth. So the question then is, do you take any of those guys, Samson or um, Wesneski or Assad, Excuse me. And put them in the bullpen. Um, that's a decent move, and it's a good strategy. And the Cubs have shown that they like to do that in the past. That's where Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson got their starts. 
But now the Cubs are already have a bullpen where, again, depending on how you're going to use guys, um, Edward Azale and Keegan Thompson can both go out there and, and throw that multiple inning role. The Cubs also have, now again, not on the 40-man roster, but Mark Leiter Jr. is another guy who the Cubs used last year was pretty effective being able to throw multiple innings. And David Ross and the Cubs do like to just play with guys. I mean, Hughes has thrown multiple innings. Um, Rowena Elias for Cuba in the World Baseball Classic threw five really good innings the other day. So they've got guys who can theoretically go distance. So what I think they're going to do is I think they'll keep those guys all stretched out. So I think one of those guys will start in Chicago, and I think that guy's going to be Wisniewski. Um, and I would put Javier Assad as a close second. But I think the other two are going to start the season in Iowa and just be part of that Iowa rotation and just be ready because they're going to get their call. Um, we'll see what happens with Hendricks. I think it's going to be – it sounds like it's going to be more than a month. Could potentially be two. And then we'll see as he, once he's seriously coming back, throwing bullpens, doing minor league rehab, how does that shoulder respond and how is his movement – um, the other thing when you look at the bullpen option is take Adrian Sampson. Right now he's getting pounded in spring training because he's, you know, he's he's not hitting his spots and he doesn't have high-end stuff. So I don't know why you would take that person and put them in the bullpen. You know, with, with the weapons the Cubs already have there, Adrian Sampson's value is as, as a starting pitcher who can go deep into a game and throw innings. Um Hayden Wesneski has better stuff, so he's a guy I can see in more of a short role, go in there really, you know, go all out for an inning or two. Um, but Wesneski's the guy, the one guy in the Cubs system that you know broke 140 innings last year between minors with the Yankees, minors with the Cubs, and what he did at the end of the season with the big big league team. So he's already stretched out, and he's a guy who he's young and he's been increasing his workload as he goes. So he's a guy who probably can go 150, 160 innings this year, um, as long as he's effective and healthy. So I don't know why you would want to take that arm then and spend the first month or two of the season throwing short in the bullpen and then have to go through a stretch out process again to get him up. I think, I think you make him a starter. I think unless or until he fails as a starter, uh, you know the the famous Andrew Chafin obvious shirt T-shirt. Um, you just keep him in the rotation. Let him, let him throw every five days in Iowa, and when the time comes to bring him to Chicago, bring him to Chicago. You know, I think Drew Smiley's a guy. We'll see how he pitches. He's he's not pitched all that well in spring training either. Now I don't think he's gone to the point where he's losing his starting rotation spot. But while the Cubs did sign him and their option years and stuff, and they like him and he likes the Cubs, the Cubs have not invested so much in Drew Smiley that they can't throw him to the bullpen where he's been before, or you know. I don't think it's going to come to this because he, he pitched well last year. I think he'll be fine. Um, but the Cubs can move on from him. Or if it makes sense that, hey, um, Wesneski comes in, he's killing it in the rotation, everybody else is doing well, Javier Assad is you know killing it in AAA, or Adrian Sampson gets his command back, um, you can put Drew Smiley in the bullpen. He's done that before. He was, he was a huge help on that Braves World Series championship team coming in and out of the bullpen for them. So... I think shoring up that fifth spot, and I do think they're going to keep us, whoever doesn't make it, and for me it would be, I think it's going to be Assad and Samson that go to Iowa. I think the Cubs will keep them stretched out. They both have options. Um, I think it's good. So then you look at the bullpen, and when you look at the Cubs' bullpen, you know, again, they're going to carry 13 pitchers, and you're going to have five starters. So you've got eight relievers left. And they've got Albert Alzali, Keegan Thompson, Michael Fulmer, who they just signed this offseason, Brad Boxberger, who they just brought in, Hughes. Um, I think those five guys are locks. And so when you look at the other options in the bullpen, you're looking at Jeremiah Estrada, who came up. Um, he's just, he has an electric arm. He looked really good in a couple outings with the Cubs late last season. Um, he's young. He's got options. Um, Merriweather, I think Estrada has not actually – no, he has. He did, was optioned back, so he has two option years remaining. And I probably should have done this earlier in the episode, but the way an option year works is every player gets three. And so you can be in the minor leagues, you can move up or down, that doesn't count. As soon as you come to the major league team, then in order to be sent back down to the minor leagues, you'll see in the transaction log somebody was optioned to Iowa. Um, So if the Cubs option somebody down, it removes one of their three options, 
And those options are considered option years. So a player can go up and down multiple times. I think it's the max of five times within one season. Um, throughout one season, that counts as one option year. Um, someone like Christopher Morrell has not used an option yet could because he came up last May and stuck with the Cubs for the entire season, was never sent back down. Um, and injury rehab would not count. So if Christopher Morrell had come up, gotten hurt, and then did a rehab stint in Iowa, that doesn't count as an option year. You're just doing rehab to get back up to speed. Um, so I expect Morrell will probably use his first option this year, getting sent back down to start the season. Um, so Estrada has two option years left. I expect he'll kind of go back and forth this year. Um, Julian Merriweather is a guy they brought over from Toronto. I talked about him in an earlier podcast. He's throwing high 90s. He's got gas. He's throwing hard. I think the Cubs want to do some work with him on a slider, and he's pitched really well this preseason so far. Um, let me bring up his numbers. He is – he's been in four games, thrown four and a third innings, got six strikeouts, only one walk, three hits. I mean, he's, he's really pitched well and looked good. So I think he's a guy you might – he might be one of those guys the Cubs sort of stumble into and winds up being, you know, a good back of the bullpen arm. Um, but I think the the fact that he doesn't have an option and the fact that he throws so hard and the fact that he's performing well probably means he will start the season in Chicago. Um, so I'm I would guess he's he's going to be there. I'm going to give him one of those last three spots. So now there are kind of two spots left that we're talking about. Rowan Wick is a guy who was he's really good in 2020 and he's shown some flashes since. Struggled a lot of last year, but did come back in the second half um, late in the season and. and was better. Um, still not quite as good as he was before, but you know, he's looked good, pretty good in spring training too. He's, uh, there was one game where he gave up a bunch of unearned runs. Things kind of got away from him a little bit, but he's got five strikeouts, four and two thirds. He has walked five guys. That's the one thing that gets him in trouble. If he's, if he's on his game and he's throwing strikes, he's typically pretty solid. He, uh, he's a guy, he does have options. So he could go start the season in Iowa. Um, He's on the fence. He's a guy the Cubs seem to like, and I think there was some thought that he might wind up being the Cubs' closer. Um, last year, it didn't really work out, and then David Robert Robertson stepped up, and then he stepped up. Um, but so he's, he's in play. Michael Rucker's in play. Um, I'm not super high on Rucker, but he's been good this spring. He's thrown four and two-thirds, three strikeouts, one walk, no runs. Um, we'll see. I think the Cubs are higher on him than I am, but... Um, they're the ones that make the decision. So that certainly matters. And so all, all four of those guys are on the 40 man roster. So they can just be added, fill out that bullpen. No need to move anyone along. Um, when you start looking at the non-roster invitees, it gets really interesting. So the Cubs have a few guys. So I already talked about lighter junior. He was not very good as a starter with the Cubs last year, but he could, he could spot start. Um, but he pitched well in some, even in some high leverage situations coming out of the pen. So he's a guy they'll want to keep around. I don't know if he'll quite make the major league roster to start the season. <coughs> they also have Manny Rodriguez. Um, I think basically Julian Merriweather kind of took his spot for right now, but Rodriguez is still young. Um, he's still less than two years coming off uh, Tommy John surgery. And then they have Cam Sanders and Ben Leeper, both pitched for Iowa last year. Cam Sanders, I haven't seen as much of Leeper, but I've heard heard great things and seen some great highlights. But I've seen Cam Sanders pitch a couple times this season, uh, this preseason, and he's just outstanding. I mean, he's he's electric. He's fun to watch. He's very active around the mound. Um, this season so far, this in spring training, I just had his numbers. Where is he? Oh, I found Ben Leeper. We'll talk about him for a second. So he's pitched well. He's only thrown a couple innings, um, but two innings – no walks, a couple hits, and three strikeouts. Um, I think I don't think he'll start the season in Chicago, but I think he's going to get his looks. Um, oh, there's Cam Sanders. Um, he's thrown five innings, given up two hits, only walked one, struck out seven. I think he's he's really really pushing hard for a spot. I'm not sure he's going to quite make it, um, but I think he's maybe going to be that next guy called up. Um, and those guys are right-handed. So I also mentioned the Cubs need lefty arms. And, you know, the Cubs right now only have Hughes in the bullpen as a lefty. Um, if they were to take lighter, Mark Leiter Jr. is a guy who pitches to reverse splits. 
Um, so you might be able to kind of get away with that. Um, but when you look at the lefties, there's there's really nobody else on the 40-man roster who could fill that spot. So you look at the non-roster invitees, and you've got Rowanis Elias, um, who I said he's pitched pretty well with the Cubs. He had one bad outing, but I thought he looked pretty good. He's struck out five, no walks, and four and two-thirds. He did get knocked around in one start, but there were also some errors in there, which always makes things a little bit dicier. Um, and he pitched, he pitched really well for Team Cuba in, in the World Baseball Classic. Um, they also have uh, Baruki. He's lefty. He's non-roster invitee. He's been pitching well. Um, Bailey Horn has been a little bit up and down. He's somebody I thought might battle for a rotation spot. Oh, back to Baruki. I forgot to go with his uh, Ryan Baruki. With his stats, he's thrown five and a third innings, given up three runs, um, but he's got ten strikeouts in one walk and five and third innings, and he's left-handed. So he's really pushing pretty hard. Um, Bailey Horn is a, he came over in uh, for Ryan Tapera from the White Sox in 2021. He struggled a little bit this offseason. I thought he might be able to make a push for a starting spot, but they could probably go to Iowa and, and get himself right. And we'll probably see him at some point this year. And then there's Anthony Kay, who came over, I think it was also from the Blue Jays. He's a left hander, he's got some major league experience. Um, he's been pretty good this spring, too. He is, uh, Anthony Kay has thrown four innings, given up one run, two hits, five strikeouts, no walks. So the Cubs have a lot of arms. And this is where I think we're starting to finally see the pitching development change. So for all those years from 2014, with the exception of Hendricks and maybe Carl Edwards Jr., who they, they traded for but then did also kind of bring him along in the system, the Cubs just did not have anything resembling a pipeline of arm talent coming to the major leagues. And so even if all these guys aren't don't become superstars – I mean, just looking at the options, like Javier Assad, the Cubs had basically nobody like Assad just kind of methodically making his way through the system. And then whether Assad's ever going to be a great starter in the major leagues or not, he's an arm that can get big league outs. And the Cubs need those. And so you look down this list, Estrada, Wick, Rucker, you know, Cam Sanders, Ben Leeper. Manny Rodriguez, and that's not even to mention some of the hot prospects that are at the lower levels of minors coming up. Like The Cubs just have guys who can go get outs, and the Cubs continue to do a good job of bringing in former major leaguers, maybe guys who are on the back end of their career or have had some arm trouble, um, come in and have some success. I mean, Tyler Duffy is another guy who's fighting for a rotation spot. He's non-40-man. He's I don't think he has – he might have one option left. Um but he's, you know, he's thrown five and two-thirds innings, six strikeouts, three walks. Like, Cubs have a lot of guys they can go to, and they're going to have some tough decisions. I mean, if, if I had to – if I was the one making the – the if I was the one making the decisions, I would certainly, like I said before, I would go with Wesneski as the fifth starter. And then my bullpen additions would be – I would keep certainly keep Merriweather, and I would probably go um, Wick – and then one of either Rucker, Elias, or Kay. And I probably would lean toward Elias, um, but Kay is certainly making his uh, making his own statement there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. I, I think in the next couple of weeks, pay attention to those games. I mean, don't, don't worry so much when you see Dansby Swanson not hitting or if Ian Happ goes into a cold spell, something like that. Like Those, those guys are going to be there. They'll get their reps. The weather's going to get warmer at some point in Chicago. Um, that'll be okay. But if you're watching the spring training games, watch what McKinstry does. Watch Master Boney when he comes back from the World Baseball Classic. Watch, um, you know, watch these guys coming out of the pen. See what Cam Sanders looks like. See what Rowan Elias looks like. You know, watch those guys to see who the Cubs are going to put at the back end of the roster. And you know, the Cubs have addressed the star power side of their roster as much as they can in the off season. Um, I had said all along I would not grade this offseason until it was over, and we're pretty much there at this point. I mean, I would give this offseason probably a good solid B+, possibly an A-. minus. Um, they got a lot better. I know there are a lot of people still not thrilled that you know there was no Carlos Correa, there was no Trey Turner, no Justin Verlander, Jacob deGrom, or Rondon, but when you look at the roster and the needs, the Cubs had a gaping hole in center field. 
And even if Bellinger doesn't regain his bat, he fills that defensively very, very well. They got maybe the best defensive shortstop that was available, um, which allows Nico Horner to slide over and play an elite defensive second base. Um, you know, they shored up catcher position. I know a lot of us would still like to have Wilson Contreras around, but the Cubs have clearly made the decision to go pitching and defense and go with that game manager, work with the pitcher type catcher and not worry about offense. Um, so they clearly addressed that. They brought in Jamison Tyone because they need guys who can eat innings. Um, and he's got potential to be more than just an innings eater. He could be very good. Um, they really they addressed a lot of needs and they hit them all, really. Um, they brought in more bullpen arms. They you know, brought in a number of utility potential bench guys. Um, it's not an A or an A+. Plus. They did not bring in that superstar. They didn't go get you know that franchise cornerstone. I think Dansby Swanson's very close to that, but he's not Xander Bogarts or Carlos Correa, Trey Turner. Like he's a little step below, below those guys. Um, but they improved a lot. And so this, this now, when, when we're talking about these discussions, I mean, the last couple of years, we've had to watch Andrelton Simmons. We've had to watch Var, Ildemaro Vargas and Jonathan VR and Jason Hayward hasn't hit. And like the bottom of this roster has been so bad. Um, and so now this year, I think the, the starting lineup is better. The offense is still not great. That's probably where they're going to – if they struggle, that's where they're going to struggle. It's going to be to score runs. But when you look at the bottom of this roster, I mean, if you're talking about Nick Madrigal and Miles Mastroboni, they're not great players, but you're, they're your you know back end of the bench guys. Um, I think they've brought in some power. We'll see. They've got guys they can mix and match. Um, the rotation should be good. So I'm excited. I want to see how these spots play out, but – um, thank you for joining me today. Um, it's been great. Um, who do you think will fill out the last handful of spots on the Cubs roster? Let me know. If you liked what you heard, you know, drop a rating or a review wherever it is you get your podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Just a few seconds from you can give me great feedback and help other Cub fans find the show. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all at CubsPS+. And stay tuned for more information about the upcoming Patreon program. This is Mike Waller, host of the Cubs PS Plus podcast. Every day with Cubs baseball or talking about Cubs baseball is a great day. Go Cubs!